I stay When it's hard or it's wrong or we're making mistakes I want your midnights But I'll be cleaning up bottles with you on New Year's Day Hold Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report Podcast. It is the Pewter Post Game Show as we react to a very entertaining game. A great way to start the year with the Bucks defeating the Carolina Panthers by the score of 30. What was the final score? 30 to 24? Yep, that was it. Exactly. 30 to 24. The Bucks are your... NFC South champions. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Join with me from pewterreport.com is Josh Capo. And Josh, as we all expected, as we all imagined, the Bucks are NFC South champs. It's exactly what we talked about before the schedule was out. We said, Bucks are winning this. No problem at all. No big deal. Yeah. I, we all knew that they would have the division wrapped up before Atlanta, right? Just this is yeah. exactly how everyone pictured it. Oh, and right off the bat, we got a uh, super chat. Appreciate our guy, Marquise Davis. Uh, appreciate everyone in the chat watching along with us uh, in the comments as well. If you uh, give us a super chat, we will make sure we answer it right away. And Marquise Davis with the $2 super chat says, we lose this game without Brady. So, that you know, that's been... That's been a huge topic for a couple of weeks now. It's just like, has Tom Brady regressed? Should the Bucs go in another direction? Most likely next season. What should Tampa Bay do? And I've always said, well, I don't think the Bucs win those games, those crazy comebacks against the Rams and the Saints and now the Cardinals last week. I don't think they do that without Tom Brady. So I think the whole Brady is wash discussion um, is, is now dead to rights right now. What do you say? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that the Bucs win a lot of games without Brady. It's a quarterback-driven league, and they built this team up and then went out and got the quarterback that they thought that would bring them Super Bowls and division titles, and he did that the first two years he was here, and he's helped them do that this year. Uh, it hasn't looked the same this year, but absolutely, Brady is playing at a high level. He played at a very high level today. Matt, you mind if I give some Brady stats? Please do. And just for everyone watching, that's Tom Brady saying hi to his haters. He's waving <laughs> at the haters. So uh, Brady ended up throwing the ball 45 times today, completed 34 of those passes, 432 yards. I believe that's a season high for him. And critically, three touchdowns, which helped the Bucs uh, not only win the game, but lock up the division with one week to go. Uh, in the season. Yeah, so we'll see if Tom Brady plays the following week because the Bucks have nothing to play for. They can't move up or down, and uh, everything's all set for their opponent. Well, it's either going to be the Cowboys or the Eagles, depending on who wins the NFC East. So the Bucks can't really control their own destiny one way or another. They are just, um, you know, waiting to see who their opponent is going to be. So Brady spoke after the game and he said, uh, you know, ultimately it's up to coach, but he kind of wants to play because he hasn't sat out a game since, you know, his ACL injury years ago. So um, real quick before we get back into the game itself, 
What would well, you do with Tom Brady? He, he mentioned uh, another time that he missed. Yeah, he missed. He mentioned another time where he uh, he missed some time as well. I thought that that was kind of uh, kind of funny. He had mentioned that he missed the time with the ACL injury, and then he uh, he also mentioned that he missed uh, four games in 2016. Um, ah, <laughs> wasn't for injury. Wasn't right. for injury. wasn't Wasn't because the division was locked out. It was uh, it was the, to start the 2016 season, and then he made sure to to say he was being very polite in how he re- referenced the, those four games that he missed. Right, and I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, Tom's always good for a quote or two. I think the the quote of the uh, the quote of the press conference was Todd Bowles. Uh, he was asked about. <clears throat> Hey, well, obviously there's a lot of Bruce Aarons discussion today, and rightfully so. He went into the, the Bucks ring of honor. But the question essentially was, we know how Bruce Arians likes to celebrate. Uh, for those that don't know, he's a big uh, Crown Royal guy, so he'll usually do Crown <laughs> Royal and Cigar. Uh, so they asked Coach Bowles, what, what do you do uh, for this? And he said, uh, I got a big glass of milk, 1% milk, and yep. uh, a tray of Chips Ahoy cookies. So he's doing yep. Some milk and cookies that that got a, a good chuckle from uh, oh, he, the crowd. He went full into it too. He went into like he he did his like college yeah, dissertation, <laughs> yeah, on on chips ahoy, and he's like, uh, it's got to be the blue sleeve ones, the red ones, which are the chewy ones. You can't do that. You can't do the chunky ones, which I think is the brown bag. Yeah. He's got to have his very traditional blue sleeve chips ahoy cookies, which was awesome. Yeah, so Chips Ahoy uh, and Cookies and Milk works for uh, Todd Bowles. I know for me and a lot of other people, it's Celsius that uh, that works for us. Of course, Celsius is the presenting sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. Variety of different flavors from the Arctic Peach and Tropical Vibes. You can also go with, uh, you know, Strawberry Kiwi, Watermelon Berry, uh, your typical regular watermelon. ton of awesome, great different flavors. Uh, there are seven essential vitamins. It's the healthy version of an energy drink. No uh, sugar or preservatives. It uh, doesn't give you that post-energy drink crash that you get with others. It's also a great substitute for coffee if you want something a little bit different in the morning. So if you go to the Celsius store locator on their website, you can find out what a you know store, bodega, wherever else, where you can go pick up Celsius. And... If you uh, want to start getting them in bulk, get the variety pack because variety is the spice of life. And who wouldn't want more flavors of Celsius? Uh, you can go to Amazon, do the subscribe and save, have it sent to your house or apartment every one, two, or three weeks, whatever it is. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius, the official sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. All right, Josh, as thrilling of this game that it was, it by no means was perfect at all for the Bucks, especially um in the first half the bucks went down 14 nothing part of that was as they were driving chris godwin fumbled the football when the bucks were already down seven nothing um it ended up being uh what was it by the end of the half it was 14 to three no hold on i've got it here 14 to 10. Yep, that's what it was. Yeah, because yeah, the Bucks had scored. We, you and I, I think we're talking about double and triple dipping. Uh, it didn't quite come to fruition. Yes. That way. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Yeah, so it was fourteen. It was fourteen to ten at halftime. Uh, the Panthers came out aggressive. I would say they threw it a lot more than I think anyone 
predicted, and, and that's why they were able to score on their first drive. DJ Moore getting the better of Antoine Winfield Jr. for that second touchdown. And in the blink of an eye, it was 14-0. The Bucs ran into issues on offense again. They, uh, you know, Donovan Smith had a holding penalty that was tough. There was, uh, you know, Brady got sacked a couple of times, or at least one time. The offense couldn't really get it going until later in the game, Tom Brady to Mike Evans, the deep ball that we've been looking for this whole time. It finally hits in the first half and it continued into that second half. Just, Josh, we've been waiting for this. We've been waiting for the Bucks offense to get the chunk plays, the big plays down the field. And finally, even though they were trailing at halftime, it felt like things started to get a little more situated towards the end of that second quarter, and the Bucks finally got the big chunk plays. Yeah, um, it it was it was huge for this offense, especially as they are now you know locked in at the four seed to go into the playoffs. It gives them some confidence that they can score with some of the offensive juggernauts that'll be entering the the playoffs with them. I mean, they're I don't think it's a locked in deal yet that they have Dallas, but you know, if they do end up getting Dallas, which is the most likely scenario for that first uh, playoff game, Dallas is like the top scoring team in the NFL since Dak returned from his uh, early season injury that he suffered against the Bucks. And so for the Bucks to be able to get their offense back with the verticality, with the ability to uh, have Brady hit Evans deep, you know, on not one, not two, but three different uh, shots like that gives them hope that they can hang with a Dallas or with any of the other uh, potent offenses in the playoffs. Yeah, hopefully this is a sign of things to come. I'm not fully of the belief that the Bucs can do that. Now, a good thing is that the Panthers, they at least, like, they have a solid defensive front. And obviously it hurts that for them that J.C. Horn wasn't there, but Brian Burns, we talked about him all week and how important of a player he is. Burns wasn't even really like a big factor in this game. You know, he wasn't the one that got the sack um, on Tom Brady. Um, but still, I mean, we got to give a shout out to Mike Evans. As Shaggy uh, says, Mike had 200 plus yards and three touchdowns before Carolina showed him any respect. I mean, we've been talking about this for a while between the chemistry between Mike Evans and Tom Brady. Mike just not looking right. Mike overcoming the... I don't want to say demons, but obviously the 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 drop in Carolina was big, and something just hasn't seemed right with Mike for a while now. But it was a huge game for multiple reasons. He extended his NFL record of consecutive seasons with a uh, thousand yards to begin his career. He had three touchdowns today, so. He went from only having three touchdowns this season to six. So he literally doubled up uh, in yep. that sense. And and he not only eclipsed 1,000 yards, he eclipsed 1,100 in the same game. Yeah, and truly, <laughs> truly great. And, you know, the touch stats are, are what they are. But it looks a lot more respectable now that he has six touch touchdowns versus only, like, three the whole year. We saw it a little bit in the Christmas game in overtime. Brady and Evans finding a little bit of chemistry in overtime, and then it just exploded in this game. I'm just I, – I don't really know where I'm going with this. I just – I'm very happy for Mike Evans. You know, he's a great guy. He deserves the record that he has. And to see it finally 
finally work out after so many struggles this season. I was just really happy to see it. And it was a huge game, 200 receiving yards and three touchdowns. It's, you know, you can't really well, top that. Yeah, I think the big thing is is showing what that element of the offense then does for the rest of the offense, right? You and I talked about it a good portion during the in-game stream is <clears throat> um, Brady was going deep to Evans when he was getting that single coverage and it was working and it was winning. Yeah. So eventually Carolina had to adjust. So they started throwing some bracket coverage. They started putting the safety over the top to try and take that away from Evans and from Brady and the offense. And then the Bucks were able to counter that. And that's when you saw Chris Godwin, who also had, I think he's been the overlooked part of this whole thing because everybody is excited about Evans getting his 12 targets, his 10 catches, his 200 yards, his three touchdowns, and, and restoring that portion of the offense. But you saw at different parts of the game where Carolina was like, okay, we need to take this away. And when they did that, Godwin was targeted nine times, came up with nine catches, and had 120 yards of his own. So the ability for the offense to then adjust to what the defense is doing to them, when they went to take away Evans, they were able to continue to move the ball down the field through Godwin. And that's really what this offense was has supposed to be ever since 2019, you know, yeah. when Jameis Winston was the quarterback. And, and it, that's the offense working almost at its peak um, outside of the run game, which still struggled. But it was a really good sign that they can, okay, we can throw a jab, we can throw a haymaker. Hey, we're actually hitting some shots here. What would you make of the game for Godwin? Because he had the tough fumble. He had a uh, pass interference penalty on him as well. But he did have nine receptions and was a big part of the offense. Uh, I know JC put him on most disappointing, um, and I understand why. But what would you say to yeah. how Chris Godwin played today? I don't really blame him for the fumble because, I mean, looking at the replay – he did everything you would want somebody to do in that situation to do in terms of wrapping the ball up. It was just a great punch by the defender. Um, so I take that away. The penalty was costly. Um, but ultimately, Godwin, for a good portion of the game, was kind of the engine that drove the, the Bucks' offense. And that's what they need him to be. That's why they pay him $20 million a year. So I, I, overall, I'd say he had a pretty solid game. You know, On a snap-to-snap -snap basis, definitely a very good game. He had two really critical plays that you know you 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 can't expect that going forward. You shouldn't expect it going forward, and it really can't happen going forward. But on a snap to snap basis, he had a really great, I would say, a solid game. Yeah, and each week I think we're getting closer and closer to the Chris Godwin that uh, we we all know and love. Got a super chat from Brandon Mackey, Makey. Thank you for the $5 Canadian Super Chat. And if you guys Super Chat us, we got another one coming up that uh, we will answer right after this. If you Super Chat us, we appreciate it. You get to cut the line. We'll put your comment up um, as soon as possible. And we got a lot of great chats in here, so uh, a, lot of, a lot of sift through for sure and get through. Uh, Brandon says, not terribly optimistic, but if the offense plays the way they did in the fourth quarter and the defense keeps this up, no reason the Bucs are out of contention. Yeah, you know, we've kind of said this before. If the Bucs played kind of like how they did in the first half against the Bengals or, um, you know, how they – there there are 
brief stretches of time where the Bucks put it together. I think the Germany game against Seattle is the biggest, like, large sample size we have of that. And the car, the um, Kansas the, City, the yeah, offense played well against Kansas City. Yeah, they did. But again, I like I feel that's just more desperation time. They were so out of the game. Um, but I do think if the offense could do this for a full four quarters and the defense, man, it's tough. It's one of those things. It's And they made big plays today. We'll talk about the defense in a moment. But it's like finally the Bucks offense shows up and now like the defense kind of not falls apart, but, you know, didn't play the most stout game possible. It was kind of close later um in the game but listen tom brady in the playoffs i don't think you could ever truly rule it out so thank you brandon for that super chat king james 813 with the 999 super chat thank you king james uh do you think the bucks rest some guys next week to try to get healthier going into the playoffs new subscriber love the content hashtag go bucks thank you king james for subscribing love hearing that appreciate that um Mike Evans, huge fan of King James, LeBron James, but uh, nonetheless, I'm sure that's a little shout out there. And yeah, thank you for subscribing. Um, We'd love to get as many subscribers as we can. Uh, It's absolutely free. Just lets you know when we have new content. So again, thank you to King James. To answer the question, uh, Josh, I'll let you go first before I give my opinion. Yeah, uh, Todd Bowles addressed this uh, post-game in his press conference. Um, He basically said that they've discussed that possibility if they had won today they've already started to kind of bring it up as a staff um but really those decisions will be made once they see what's going on in terms of the injury report so i've got the quote here he said we will see how the injury situation looks and we will get together the staff and talk this week we've talked about a few things but we will talk about it more and see where we are as far as people per position so I think a few of the things that he kind of addressed there is number one, he's got to figure out who's dinged up yeah. and who may need the rest, no matter, you know, just in terms of getting their bodies right for the playoffs. One that kind of sticks out in my head and Matt, you may remember this a little bit better than I do. Um, but as I was thinking back on the game after he had that end around, I don't remember Julio Jones really playing after he had that 10 yard, 10, 12 yard end around. Um, where he kind of finished strong, came off the field. And then I don't recall him really being in the game after that. So there's a chance that maybe Julio may be dinged up. Um, And you may have some other players, because a lot of guys have been nursing injuries, both of the offensive tackles uh, in terms of Donovan Smith and Tristan Wirfs are are nursing lower body injuries. Um, Akeem, uh, or not Akeem, Vita Vea was you know, a questionable coming into the game, a lot of the guys in the secondary. So I think they'll make some determinations and maybe be cautious and hold guys back who are dinged up. But at the same time, and Bowles pointed this out, you only have so many guys that you can dress and you still have to feel the team and you still have to put guys on the field and you have to have so many guys per position uh, just in case somebody does get hurt during the Atlanta game. So there are going to be starters who are going to have to play no matter what. Yeah, th- that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, you mentioned the tackles, and it's like, all right, well, if Donovan Smith and Tristan Wirfs don't play, you're going to have Brandon Walton on one side. They're going to have to make a decision. Like, it would be easier if Josh Wells was available, but unfortunately right. he's out for the season. Um, but, yeah, to your point, I-, I think a lot of the guys, as you said, that are nursing injuries, like Vita Vea especially. I don't see Vita Vea or Akeem Hicks playing 
next week because you know you need them for the long haul to stop the the Cowboys run game or the Eagles run game. Right. Like you have enough guys in there with Will Golson who played great today. Nacho. Yeah. Logan Hall. Let, let Logan Hall get some opportunities. Pat O'Connor. Let him get some opportunities. Obviously I think like at safety too, you're going to see Antoine Winfield Jr. Probably have the game off because you have Logan Ryan. You have Mike Edwards. Uh, Keanu O'Neal obviously does not get as much playing time when Antoine Winfield Jr. Is in there, and also like if you want to give Nolan Turner an opportunity, I think that's great. Now, great, and also like wide receiver, same thing. I don't really see like definitely not Julio Jones with his injury history. I definitely see Russell Gage playing. That, um, well, you know, I would say if Julio feels good, I could see them giving him a drive or two, only because it's in Atlanta. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, I wasn't really I wasn't really focusing on that part, but yeah, that would make sense. I wouldn't even think like with Brady, I know he always wants to play. I could see Brady playing like the first quarter and then it's like, yeah. all right, I got my start, it helps for my stats or whatever. And then we see Kyle Trask, maybe Blaine Gabbert, local hero. Um, I think we'll eventually see one of them, which I know will make Scott Reynolds happy. I know it'll make a lot of people happy. Uh, another thing that makes Scott happy is using age rejuvenation. As we age, our hormones decrease, both for men and women. I was tired all the time, had no sex drive. I was groggy. I felt like I was 80 years old because everything hurt. I came to age rejuvenation because I was tired all the time. Bioidentical hormones has really made such an impact in people's lives. I actually enjoy shopping now. Got my, all my energy back. Mind is sharp. I feel like I'm 18 again. It was perfect for me. Get with Age Rejuvenation. Do it now. Don't wait. Call Age Rejuvenation today. Look better, feel better, have better sex using Age Rejuvenation. You see John Gilmore of the Bucks in the Peter Tailgate Show. Speaks very highly of it. Scott has talked a ton about how much it's helped him, um, you know, just feel better in general and uh, be able to go about his day. So check out Age Rejuvenation. See how we can help you with their testosterone therapy, peptide therapy, Stem cell therapy and more. Go to agerejuvenation.com. Uh, we talked a lot about the offense, Josh, but we got to talk about this Bucks defense. Um, again, started out pretty slow, but the one thing that we've really knocked them for this season is their inability to turn the ball over. And there was a point in this game where we both, there was a great comment. Uh, the name is slipping me at the moment, but there's a great comment about, oh man, like, the bounces just are not going the Bucks way, you know. Uh, they Sean Murphy Bunting stripped the ball, but it went out of bounds. Chris Godwin, uh, there was like a botch snap situation with Sam Darnold, but the ball went right back to him. And later on, the football gods were in favor of the Bucks. Sean Murphy Bunting had an interception, a great play down the field, you know, good coverage makes the pick there. Um, and then obviously. The huge moment of the game with the Bucks leading, Panthers looking to uh, make it a three-point, uh, to tie the game up. There's another fumble. Well, sorry, not another fumble. Anthony Nelson goes in pretty much untouched, like a great move by him to create that separation. Goes to Sam Darnold's blind side, gets the hit on Darnold. The ball is fumbled, and it's recovered by Vita Vey, as you can see the hit here by Anthony Nelson. It set the Bucs up at like a five-yard line, and they scored two plays later on 
a, a, a Tom Brady QB sneak. Going into the game, we expected the Bucs to prepare for the run. They did. They did a great job against the run. It was the Panthers throwing the ball that was kind of giving them fits. DJ Moore, who we talked about before. But uh, what are your overall thoughts about the way the Bucks defense played today? The fact that they actually got turnovers and they came in bunches. Yeah, I think a few things that you touched on. So going back to that Nelson snap, uh, sack, so second week in a row that he gets a strip sack. Uh, last week against Arizona, was, he just came in unblocked. But this one, he beat um, left tackle Iki Aquanu, um, just really used his length really well and got around the arc and got to Darnold. And you see this really great shot here of him knocking the ball free, um, set the Bucks up. And I think the the Bucks did a great job of stopping the Carolina Panthers run game. But I also think the Carolina Panthers did a great job of stopping their own run game. Um, did uh, I was looking at the keys to their success for their three and one run coming into this game, um, they being the, the Panthers, and they had averaged in their three wins over that four game stretch over 40 carries a game while limiting Darnold to less than 24 passes per game. And the one loss during that stretch, they ran the ball, I want to say, only like 24 times against the Steelers. Well, against the Bucks, they only managed uh, 20, I think it was 23 carries uh, for a total of 73 yards. And so the Bucs really did a great job of kind of um, limiting Deontay Foreman and Chuba Hubbard to 16 carries for only 47 yards. But it was really curious because Carolina just kind of came out and they did not try to establish that running game no. at all. And they it, we, we commented on it on the opening drive. They really put the ball in Darnold's hand uh, or hands and, and he ended up throwing the ball 37 times. 23 of 37, 341 yards, three touchdowns and an interception. And there were times where that, that passing offense looked good. But I think in any NFL world where you say that Carolina passing attack against the Bucks defense, given enough time and a large enough sample size, the Bucks defense is going to win out in that matchup. And that's kind of what happened as the game continued on into the second half the Panthers passing attack became less and less effective. Um, and Sam Darnold was less and less effective despite a couple of really great throws. Yeah. The and, touchdown and made, to more. The, yeah. Absolutely. He, he put some dimes out there, but the more that the Carolina offense leaned on him and it seemed like that was actually the game plan, the less that he was able to hold up for that. Um, and, and the bucks were able to, uh, to come away with the victory because of it. Devin White had a fumble recovery uh, as well. So shout out to Devin White. I, I agree. Um, I think the Bucks defense got stronger and stronger as as the game went on. You know, the last field goal, kind of like a prevent type of thing. I don't really put too much stock right. into that one. Zachary Jarvis with the 499 Super Chat. Appreciate you, Zachary. He says, do you think it's possible for Ryan Jensen playing at least a half next week? Yeah, this is a tricky, tricky situation uh because he's back to practicing he's in that three-week window where he can be uh called to the roster and taken off of uh, ir so he essentially just went through his first week so they have to decide either this week or next week if they if they want to activate him to the roster i think and curious to get your thoughts 
I think it is a huge gamble to just incorporate Ryan Jensen into a playoff game. <clears throat> I don't care if they're the home team. A playoff game, if they're not playing the whole year, and you want to talk about continuity and, and all these different things, he hasn't played the whole season. Now all of a sudden he's going to play in the playoff game. It's not like he can get a break and things like that. That's not how it works for the offensive line. With that said, if there was any opportunity to get him playing time, it would be right now in this Sunday's game or next week's game where it doesn't really matter <laughs> if they win or lose. All right, It doesn't matter at all. So I would try to get him out here for that game, but it's ultimately up to how he feels and what the team decides to do. Because if he looks good enough, then it comes down to do you put him at center and what do you do at guard now? Because Robert Hainsey has played really well. Is he just going to be the guy off the bench? I don't necessarily know. It's definitely something that is going to be of uh, a lot of discussion this week. Yeah. Uh, gun to my head, I don't think Jensen plays against Atlanta, but I think you see him as the starting center against uh, or for the playoff game, for the wild card game. That, that is my gut feeling on that and uh and i liken it to kind of vita vea during the super bowl year right remember vea like yep came back for the championship yeah and uh and just all of a sudden appeared and played lights out for those last two games um and so i i do expect him though to be the starting center for the wild card game um again this is complete speculation on my part but I do think that Robert Hainsey goes to the bench and Nick Leverett stays in that left guard spot uh, in that scenario. Now, with that said, would I like to see Jensen out there for next week to start getting some reps and building some rapport? And yeah, absolutely. And if that's the case, then I'm hoping Brady plays more than just one quarter. I think you give them, you about give those two as, as much, yeah, probably about a half to uh, really start to establish the, their rapport that they had from the last two years. So it's an interesting development. Jensen's getting healthy right on the schedule that the Bucks kind of thought when they put him on IR and yep. made sure that they got him in for the, the initial 53 man roster when, um, when they had to do that at the beginning of the, the season. And it's nice to see the Bucks getting healthy kind of right at the right time. It, it does seem like they are getting healthier when it is most needed. Josh, uh, before we wrap things up, we are going to talk about one of your favorite players uh, on this team. But first, <laughs> let's hear a message from our friends over at the Seminole Hard Rock Casino in Tampa. Just the way you like it. Me and my wife decided we'll have some fun. I was playing a two-cent machine. Six bets in, I hit a jackpot. $117,000. Hi, my name is Tara because I want over $500,000 playing slot. I do this full time and I would not change it for the world. I'm Gloria. I won over $2 million at Seminole Hard Rock Casino. I went and bought a bunch of jewelry. <laughs> my name is Mike. I won over $350,000. I love playing back rock because it hits different. When you pull in that car and you flip over that nine, beating that eight, can't miss. I'm Jimmy. I won a half million dollars in a slot tournament at Seminole Hard Rock in Tampa. Even a blind squirrel can get a nut sometimes. <laughs> my name is Philip, and I won 215000 on Blazing Sevens. Put my last $4 on the table, next thing you know, bam, 215000 jackpot. I hit that bad boy. I didn't realize how much it would change my life. You only live once. Have fun with it, right? Anybody can win. It's Seminole Hard Rock in Tampa. Just the way you like it. 
to the Seminole Hard Rock Casino in Tampa, and you never know when you can win big. I now, got a question for you. I got an answer. All right. Tristan Wirfs is a pretty physically impressive person, right? Yes. Would you say Vita Vea, especially for his size, right? Zion McCollum, he had like a perfect RAS score. Mm-hmm. But if I were to ask you who's the most athletic player on the Tampa Bay Bucks roster after today's game, you better have the right answer for me. I think it would have to be the former national champion, Georgia Bulldog, Jake Camarda. Damn straight. <laughs> okay, so Mike Evans is is has to be the player of the game for his three touchdowns and over 200 receiving yards. But I think Jake Camarda made the play of the game Yeah, with that absolutely. unbelievably wild moment. So I, I didn't really see a replay, but I wasn't sure. Was the snap botched by any means, or did Camarda just, like, drop it? I honestly, I haven't had a chance to look at it. I still, like, I'm still fixated on the fact that somehow he was able to recover it without falling down. Yeah. Running without anyone else, without anyone else find like hitting him either, you know. Yeah, running to his left, he's a right footed punter and somehow getting off not just any punt, but keeping it in bounds and downing it inside of the 10. Now it all comes back because all, everything in football is timing based, and Co Keith is expecting the punt to come off yeah. correctly and ends up downfield for an illegal man downfield, but. I, it's just incredible that he was able the the body dexterity, right? The presence of mind. He's a rookie. Remind, <laughs> keep in mind, and and to be able to pull that playoff because at the time the game still was not completely in hand, and that could have been a huge momentum swing. That would have gave the Panthers great field position, absolutely, to try to win the game. And it was almost a perfect storm. I mean, you're freaking out when that happens, but yeah. The fact that he's going opposite of, of his kicking leg and kicks it with his kicking leg, but you're rolling out the other side. To down it at, like, the two, yeah. the the column down there, to avoid all of those hits. And then the fact that all it cost the Bucks was a five-yard penalty. Right. They got to kill. They got to kill, what, like, seven to ten seconds yep. off the clock just to go do it again? First and then, of all, yeah, and then he hits it down on the ten the following punt. My hands would have been... <laughs> Like so sweaty or nervous to catch the ball after that wild play just happened. So for him to then just flawlessly execute another punt right after that, that essentially it didn't seal the game for the box because the Panthers went down the field a little bit, but they had to go that much further because of his second punt and with less time because of what he was able to do on the first one. He's a um, straight athlete. He's made several tackles throughout the year on kick. He made a tackle today. His helmet exactly. came off, too. And, and, and the guy runs a 4 5 six, 40. Dude. Uh, <laughs> it's incredible. Listen, the Bucks had a lot of bad things go down on special teams today. But the one bright spot is Jake Camarda. I mean, the return game, it's fine. It's whatever. It's, it's not hurting the team right now. The kicking game is an issue right now. You know, Ryan Sucker missed an extra point. He missed a 52-53 yarder, and he had a 26-yarder blocked. Like, that's just not good. The Panthers had a return that went to the 40, as we just talked about, that Jake Camarda made the tackle. That just can't happen. By the way, great comment by Shaggy. Uh, waiting for the Pat McAfee breakdown of that play. That is oh, yeah. Yeah. That's 
absolutely going to be awesome. Uh, yeah, as uh, this idiot for somebody, says please that well. tweet that to me at some point tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please do. Um, yeah, that was a truly an awesome moment, uh, and just a fun, a fun, fun game. Very stressful at times for the Bucks, but they at least, you know, they got the job done. They're going to the playoffs. They're NFC yeah. South Division champs and are hosting a playoff game. So truly, a great thing to see. Yep. So. As we wind things down, anything you want to see in the Atlanta game that'll give you more hope as a Bucks analyst that they may be able to make a deeper playoff run than most believe that they can at this point? Yeah, well, part of it, again, is kind of what we talked about with who's going to play and who's not going to play. But I would just like to see some type of continuity on offense, whether it's committing to play action, whether it's being more aggressive, going up-tempo, continuing to take shots down the field. I think that's really important. Defensively, and again, we'll see who starts, who doesn't. We love when the when the Bucks blitz. They're great when they blitz. I want someone to step up on the defensive line and say, I can do this myself with a great move. Anthony Nelson did on that play late in the game. I want to see if that could be sustainable for a little bit more where the bucks don't always have to rely on the blitz. I know that's their bread and butter and they're still going to do it. However, let's see something from JTS who had a good game today. Let's see like an Anthony Nelson. I don't want to say breakout game, but like a game where Anthony Nelson is in the quarterback's face every single time. And that play was awesome. Something with Vita up front. I I want something from the front four that really makes you feel I like the Vita thing. Like they, I, I'd love to see a little bit more consistent pressure from the interior, from the A and B gaps. <clears throat> um, JTS, I think he's he's done a very solid job of creating that consistent edge pressure. Um, Nelson's been able to to throw the splash plays in there to balance things out. But I like I like what you said there in terms of you know whether it's Golston or Hicks or Vea or. You know, at, it was nice to see at the end of the game, you and I were both commenting on um, Logan Hall. He was getting some interior yes. pressure on that last drive there. Um, but that up in the, the quarterback's face and really forcing him where he can't step up into throws, which is something that Darnold was able to do today, I think is extremely important. Um, and then I think for me on offense, the Bucks showed that they could drive today. Like they, they had they had multiple sustained drives down the field. Two of them that went all the way down to the red zone from inside their own ten, right? One and uh, from their own two, and then another one from their own ten. Um, but uh, Brady spoke about it in his post game press conference, and I think it was very poignant. They they have not, and this has been all year long. They have had trouble scoring in the red zone. And, uh, and and finishing drives with touchdowns. So that's something that I hope that they'll be able to build upon, no matter who's out there on offense um, in the Atlanta game, where they get into that red area and they actually put the drive away with a touchdown. They will be things to look at for uh, next Sunday's game. If you're looking for more content from pewterreport.com, we got a lot of articles right now on our website. Post-game recap, most impressive, most disappointing. You got the live stream. And, of course, uh, we'll have another podcast tomorrow. Scott Reynolds will be back on the show as we do, uh, you know, Monday post-game show with Roll Call. Tell us where you're at, Peter people, where you're watching from. 
Uh, but we appreciate everyone that watched and listened to uh, today's show. But that's going to do it for us. For Josh Capo, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching. We will see you tomorrow for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Happy New Year. Out. Out.